with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan holes. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our impressive bodies. <laughs> wow. Of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, a Bashir episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no eyes! <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes should we like go crazy how does my stupid voice sound you sound beautiful like ten times sexier good job no one gets us because we don't explain it Welcome back to another Gallifreyerific episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your Time Lords for this excursion this evening. And I am joined by one of my fellow Time Lord Fanholes, Justin. And we also have a very special Time Lord Gallifreyan guest with us tonight. We've got Zach from Board with Friends joining us. If you haven't figured it out, we're going to be talking about the 12th Doctor. I guess this is our own fanholes retrospective on the life and times of Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor. And who better to join us than, of course, Justin, who is a huge Doctor Who fan and knows way more about Doctor Who than I do. And, of course, Zach is also, to my knowledge knows way more about Doctor Who than I do as well. So we're, we're really thrilled to have Zach on the show. Hey, what's up, Zach? What's going on? Hey, how's it going? I don't have anything witty to say this time. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. This, this was kind of the brainchild of Justin. I mean, I think Justin had been talking about us discussing the Capaldi Doctor Who era, like, I think since, since he became Doctor Who. Like, it had always been kind of a back burner topic and it's kind of interesting because we've finally gotten around to it now that he's kind of gone through his whole journey so it's it's going to be kind of interesting but I mean for, for me I'm kind of like thinking of it as you know this is just us kind of going over maybe you know our favorite episodes or greatest hits or just those kind of notions but I, I, I I'm guessing because you guys are both like really longtime fans of the franchise in general. Like, have you, I mean, I know Justin has, like, I, I, I figured Justin's seen like everything and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident. Like if I ask you, Zach, if you've seen like all the doctor who stuff, you're probably going to say yes. Right. Well, I'm tempted to go super nerdy right now and say, unless Justin is over 60, it's impossible for him to see everything. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Because some stuff doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Well, but I'm not going to say that. I'm I not going to go super nerdy. 
But 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 I mean, you know, dude, let me put it this way. Like when when I started going through my watch of of classic who, like I can't I can't abide those episodes where it's like little freeze frame stills and like people who recorded the audio from their TV sets and stuff, like those reconstructed episodes that are like that. Like I I tried like to watch one of those and I couldn't even do it. But I know, I know Justin has seen those. So I'm kind of like, you know, besides the episodes that are lost to time that can never be recovered, I'm going to say that Justin's Justin's seen all that stuff other than the unrecoverable stuff. I've tried to watch those episodes too. So I sympathize. It's difficult to watch the reconstructed stuff because you just, you want to see it on screen and watching a still frame is very difficult. Uh, but I will say a lot of those are available as audio plays and it's mm-hmm. much easier to listen to. Yeah. Like there's a great one of the first doctor's final episode, the 10th planet. And I got to, I downloaded and listened to the audio version of it. And it, I think Annika Wills who played Polly, uh, she does like linking narration on it and it's, it's pretty good. So if you want to experience them that way, you could. Cool, cool. Yeah, you know what else I liked about those since we're since we're delving just a little bit is is that I, I kind of liked all those animated recreations of the episodes as well. Those I actually find more difficult to watch because really? I don't like the animation style. Some of them make the characters look stiff or ugly, but I'm, yeah. I'm kind of appreciative that they kind of went to that. I don't know. I want to say expense, but it doesn't look expensive. But, I mean, they spent something to try and, like, fill the gap. So I can at least appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the effort they put into it. It's yeah. just sometimes it's difficult. The, the earlier ones are particularly hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. But the latest ones have been pretty good. I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, like, I guess I'm from that philosophy, like, something is better than nothing. And to me, nothing is those freeze frame stills that people have. You know, like, I, I'd rather see some kind of motion and kind of get a general sense of what was going on rather than i don't know sometimes i feel like those freeze frame ones like you're completely sort of in the dark other than those those still freeze frame you know shots that they have Mm, agreed i guess to you that's like a book almost (laughs) (laughs) what's a book (laughs) but yeah i mean i i guess i guess it is worth mentioning since we are talking about the 12th doctor and we're talking about like reconstructed stuff, you know, this, this kind of, I guess, finale or, you know, how it transitioned over to like Capaldi's, you know, last movie or whatever. I mean, that's heavily tied into the original series and, and having, I guess, come from a place where Justin's the one who introduced me to Doctor Who and, and the, the Hartnell Doctor Who was one of the first series that I decided to start watching Oh, like, you started did, that way. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, that that was, well, I mean, you know, Ju- Justin basically was like, watch Blink. And then I was a dumbass and couldn't figure out what episode that was. So I watched a few Tenant episodes. I ended up watching the, what is it, the Unearthly Story or whatever that first four An Unearthly Child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Unearthly Child. So I watched that. And then I watched, because I, I, I kind of was like, well, I kind of want to know from the beginning, like, I'm going to watch this like what it's what it's all about. And then I watched like the first of the the new series, you know, where they're running around with Rose and mannequins are coming to life and all that stuff. And then I watched some of the Tenant episodes. So it's like from from that vantage point, it's like I I'm appreciative enough of the fact that they're, you know, I, I mean, I watched the um, 
trying to think of it. But, you know, the, the, the special where they go into the actor, you know, they go into Hartnell and everything like that. They, the Adventures of Time and Space, like I checked that out. So it's kind of cool to see that same actor in some sense, like reprise his role as, as you know, as Doctor Who, as opposed to him playing Hartnell in, in that one film. It's like, mm. you know, so, you know, I, I thought that was kind of like a, a neat idea. You know, it's like you, you made those those specials kind of an event by doing something like that, you know, like kind of throwing some of the the uh, classic fans a bone. But I, I mean, I guess because because I'm kind of selling you guys both as longtime fans, I guess if I had a question for for both of you guys as longtime fans, like, I guess speaking about that in particular, like the, you know, basically the original Doctor Who kind of teaming up with the 12th Doctor and then also you know, kind of like, what do you think of all these kind of classic Who concepts that got revisited during the 12th Doctor's tenure? Like, was that something that you were into? Like, I know you've got the Mondasian Cyberman avatar and stuff, and, and you kind of did say off air how you, you basically love the Mondasian Cybermen. And to me, like, I think of things like, say, like the Ice Warriors that show up, you know, it, during this run and even Matt Smith's run. But, like, those are the things that I kind of tend to focus on but i'm kind of curious what you guys think of that like is that something that excited you as a fan like do you feel they did those classic characters justice like what, what what's your take on those things so i always get excited when they bring back a classic character because i did grow up watching the original who my mother had bootleg copies of vhs tapes imported from britain copies of copies of copies and she also copied stuff off of pbs because we were lucky enough to have a vcr so i grew up just being able to take whatever episode i wanted pop it in the vcr and watch this stuff so when they whenever they bring back a classic doctor who monster or villain it is very exciting i always have that worry in the back of my mind though that don't mess this up you know, like watching a Michael Bay Transformers movie. Don't mess this up. <laughs> Except unlike a Michael Bay Transformers movie, they usually don't. Um, <laughs> uh, I had to put that dig in there. The uh, This particular finale to me, it was definitely fan service, but it was good fan service. And I think it was done pretty well. I remember watching the end of season 10. I completely forgot because I had read spoilers somewhere that it might happen that uh, actor's name, I cannot remember his name now. Wow. Uh, that he was seen on set as the first doctor, but it was just like a, oh, whatever. It, you know, those months before it aired. I remember very distinctly, I'm watching the finale in my living room. Everybody in the house is asleep. I think my wife was just, you know, in the bedroom, like trying to fall asleep. And when he walked on stage, when you heard his voice, I was jumping up and down like a little kid. Like I was so excited for this because I, it, it just blindsided me out of nowhere. It was awesome. And then watching the finale with the, uh, the Christmas special with him, it was just a really good balance because you always run the risk in a multi-doctor episode of who's going to outshine who pun intended, I guess. Uh, and they just, they didn't do that. Luckily, like it was great to see the first doctor. It was great to see it. And it wasn't even a difficult concept to believe it was a different actor because that's already happened once before in the past with the five doctors. So I loved it to answer your question. And I always love when they bring back, cla I want them to bring back more classic villains. I want yeah. them to, cause this, you got a 50 year history. You can pull classic villains without getting old. 
I think I think this is something we've brought up in in other podcasts. I think when we were talking about Star Trek, but I kind of I kind of appreciate the way they bring back the classic characters because you can tell there's a a sense of love and appreciation for them, you know, despite maybe if they were, you know, I guess looking at the classic series, you're like, okay, some of these monsters were created on a budget, you know, fair enough. But then when they recreate them, it's not like they're trying to, you know, they don't have shame over those classic designs. They just try to make them as good as they can on the budget they have now. So oh, it's yeah. not like it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, I don't know, some executive or some producers like, you know, whoever's behind it is not, you know, saying, oh, wait, you know, these got to be newfangled. They got to look like Michael Bay, you know, Transformers or something to be cool. It's like, you know, they they, they can still have those those classic Mondasian Cybermen kind of with the, you know, the socks for faces. And it's not like the end of the world or anything. It's not like people are, you know, losing their shit over it or anything. So I, I totally appreciate the way they go about doing it. And it, it kind of reminds me of like, I guess it, it's kind of how I wish, you know, they had like the Gorn show up on like Star Trek Enterprise. And it's like, I almost kind of wish the Gorn were done the way they do the Ice Warriors on these seasons you know like this kind of revisitation of them because it's like they they kind of feel still real to me they're not just you know cgi things that kind of i don't know scurry through the rafters or something and you barely ever see them it's like they're they're still characters and they can have dialogue and do everything they did in the original show so i i i kind of dig that you know but that's that's one of the reasons why i brought it up but like what about you justin I remember reading an interview Capaldi did like a few years before that finale with the Mondasian Cybermen, and he stated like he really wanted them to come back, and then there was like an excerpt from Moffat where he was like, well, that's not going to happen. So I was like, well, man, that's a shame because like I, I really like the Cybermen. I, I, I kind of like them better than the Daleks, to be perfectly honest. I knew you and I would be friends, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, man, like, I like, I'm with Capaldi because he named off like uh, classic uh, monsters like the the Autons. I was like, yeah, that would be cool to see them again. But he really wanted the Mondasian Cybermen to come back, and I think I, I kind of feel like he maybe twisted Moffat's arm to like have them back. And I was like, well, good job. I, I'm glad you twisted his arm, sir, because like that was really awesome. So I, I was really happy to to see them come back. I also really like the Ice Warriors. So. When you had one show up during the Matt Smith era, like I was really excited by that, and uh, you also had like David Warner in that episode, and I, I yeah, really like yeah. him. So when they had an episode during uh, Capaldi's run, I like I was all for that. Like I, I really like the Ice Warriors, and then I guess the other ones I really liked was the Zygons. They had like a nice two. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've always liked the Zygons. I thought those were like enemies that would be really neat to play around with, and then. They were kind of forgotten uh, until, like, the day of the Doctor where you had, like, one, you know, wait, was it one? No, you had, like, a several Zygons because they were, like, doing a thing there. Yeah, sorry. I should have rewatched that, too. But, uh, yeah, you had several uh, Zygons running around, and they had, like, make a peace treaty with, uh, you know, 10, 11, and the War Doctor. So I was like, man, like, that's cool. I'm glad they brought the Zygons back. So when they showed up under Capaldi, I was like, yeah, like, I like the Zygons. Zygons are cool. <laughs> To quote Matt Smith, and I, I, I guess just just so because uh, I was looking it up while you guys were were talking about that as well. It's uh, 
David Bradley who portrays yes I guess William Hartnell and or the first doctor but yeah I I, I thought like I thought he was really good in in that in that telefilm you know that kind of like biopic type thing on doctor he was who, brilliant like, in it yeah I yeah mean, it was, he was spot on like the way you picture Hartnell it was a good docudrama like yeah yeah I, I I thought he was especially good in that and and I was keen on seeing him and then I guess I have some I have some twist questions about I guess the twelfth doctor and and maybe that you know twice upon a time episode to throw at you guys and you know you can throw tomatoes at me if you want but they they may or may not be controversial but my my I guess my first question is because for some reason I guess when I was first introduced to Doctor Who on Fan Hall's podcast one of the things that stuck in my brain and I don't know why I was listening to Tony but I was listening to Tony and he was like oh you know Trial of a Time Lord man that's really sweet dude like so that like always stuck in my head so even as I was going through the modern who catalog and I went back and started watching, you know, the Hartnell episodes that were available to me. And I ended up basically at this point, I'm like somewhere in the middle of the John Pertwee episode. So that's basically as far as I've got in my, you know, gigantic watch to try to catch up to, you know, I guess classic who, and I've basically seen at least, at least one episode of every iteration of the doctor but i just haven't seen like every single episode of every single doctor and that kind of thing so i i I do admit like compared to you guys i'm a a green noob when it comes to doctor who but i i guess i was kind of keen on watching colin baker because of one how i guess infamous it was and how i guess derided it seemed to be by fans but then also because i had tony in the back of my head going oh man trial of time lord's cool and so that was the first thing i watched and i actually went and bought the dvds and watched the whole thing and everything and i kind of remembered like why as a kid i i I had those first impressions of doctor who was kind of like oh because i remember i had a like a second or third cousin. I think it was like a cousin on my mother's side who was really into Doctor Who. So I kind of have like these vague memories of him having like, you know, some kind of bootleg VHS tapes of Tom Baker or this and that. And I I don't remember really being fascinated by it as a kid. It was more like he gave me his Transformers comics and he was a really cool cousin and he let me read Cosmic Odyssey. And that was what I sort of remembered as the highlights of that visit with that family member and and you know but the the doctor who part of it i kind of just like casually looked at what he was watching and and thought to myself oh this is on pbs and like it's supposed to be science fiction and i didn't i I don't know i i guess from being a kid in the 80s and being exposed to the the budgets and special effects of like the wrath of khan and like the Star Wars movies, I kind of expected more. So I was just probably like thinking, oh, this is like some cheap television show that I, you know, just didn't really recognize, didn't have any familiarity with and that kind of thing. And and I think watching the Colin Baker episodes by then, the budget was probably slashed even more. So I was like sitting there kind of revisiting that feeling of like, this is not I don't know. It it was just one of those things where I remember watching things like Peter Jackson's bad taste and like kind of thinking like, oh, wow, this is all the same kind of, I don't know, to me, the same feel where it's like this kind of cheesy 
low budget, you know, just make the best of it that you can, you know, on a shoestring and everything. And and so, like, I watched all those episodes. But the reason why I bring up the Colin Baker stuff is because in that trial of the Time Lord thing, there's this whole thing with the Valyard. And I remember, like, all the Internet chatter was like, is Peter Capaldi going to become the Valyard? You know, and for some reason, like, I don't know why, like, like, you know, maybe it's me being a comic fan for years and years. And I, I always want everything to fit with continuity and this and that. And the other thing, like, I was like, is Peter Capaldi going to become the Valyard? Like, cause that would be like super cool. But like, of course it doesn't happen, but I, I just wanted to bring it up as a, as a topic. Like, is that anything that ever occurred to you guys? Like, what did you think about that controversy? Is that just some dumb clickbait article that I clicked on or I guess to, to solidify it as a question, like, what do you think of the concept of the Valyard? And, and did you think it would ever apply to Peter Capaldi's run as the 12th Doctor? And I guess, I, I guess I'll ask Justin specifically, and then we'll go on to Zach this time around. I never really thought Capaldi was going to be the Valyard at any point. I don't know. I just, it seems like anytime there, there is going to be like a guest star on this, on the new Doctor Who, it, People like people want to say, "Oh, it's the Valyard or it's the Ronnie." Of course, they're they're always proven wrong. So I was like, I just kind of like dismissed all that stuff. But in the back of my head, I was I was thinking, it would be cool if the Valyard was like the you know uh, reoccurring bad guy for like a series. I, I thought that would be pretty neat. But um, yeah, I think I think you got hoodwinked. Uh, the first thing I would say is I'm amazed you are still watching Doctor Who, Derek. <laughs> simply because if i am going to introduce something and I, and I did like i introduced uh one of my my co-host sean from board with friends to doctor who as part of our off-topic series i would never have picked any of the <laughs> the seasons or episodes that you started with <laughs> just pointing that out <laughs> if i want someone to like doctor who i'm not going to start with the first doctor because it's just painful to watch and i definitely wouldn't start with the sixth doctor because it's just especially the trial of a time lord it's very bogged down in continuity uh, I, I would find that very difficult to understand if you're not a Doctor Who fan. I didn't watch Trial of Time Lord until I was much older, and I had already watched a lot of older Doctor Who, mainly because my mother doesn't like the Sixth Doctor, so I barely had any of his episodes to enjoy. And I, I don't think Colin Baker gets enough credit because he did do a good job with what he had to work with. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, no, at no point did I think they were they will. I don't think they'll ever do the value. Honestly, I think they'll always leave it open for fans. It would be an interesting idea, like Justin said, to have him be a recurring villain or at least be a presence in a in a season. But I don't think they'll ever do it at this point. If any Doctor was going to become the Valyard, I definitely think, at least from the beginning of the 12th Doctor's run, he had potential to be there. That actually would have made an interesting story, actually, if uh, Clara, who... I. I we we haven't talked about her yet, but I hate her as a companion. Um, but if <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I don't like her. Um, but if if she had if her purpose with the twelfth Doctor had been a continuation, if she had if they had really played up what the eleventh Doctor requested of her to keep the twelfth Doctor honest and keep him being the Doctor, and then you know leading towards possibly he becoming the Valyard. 
that kind of would have been interesting, actually, and I probably would have tolerated her more. I mean, I guess I guess since we're talking about them, like I guess the main people to bring up then would be would be Clara and and Bill, right? Because they're I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but I'd say they're the primary companions of his run. I mean, I, I like I, I've always liked Clara, but, you know, maybe maybe it's because I'm coming to it as, you know, kind of a, a newer fan or whatever. Like, I mean, I didn't I didn't start with with Rose and, and and Martha and Donna Noble and that kind of thing. Like, I think by the time I was watching the the as it was airing new doctor episodes it was like amy pond and rory and then and then after that clara so i wasn't i wasn't as kind of attached to any one companion in particular doesn't doesn't hurt that she's she's incredibly beautiful i mean even that even that robin hood episode where they go back in time and and you know hang out with robin hood or whatever i'm i'm just kind of like everything's worth it you know as cheese ball as that episode could or could not have fallen like her dressed up as kind of a, you know, Maid Marian type, you know, and, and the minute she steps off the TARDIS, even Robin Hood is like gobsmacked. So like you can't I don't know, you, you can hate her guts, but there's no denying she's she's right. uh, I don't a, a hate incredibly her guts. beautiful. Maybe I was a little <laughs> harsh there. I'm not knocking General, you know, General Coleman. She did a great job with what she had. But my problem with Clara is she wasn't a character first. She was a plot device. She had nowhere to go after the 11th Doctor's run because she served her purpose. Her story was over. So right from the 50th anniversary special, all of a sudden Clara is just reinvented as a new character, but it's the same actress. And they just kept changing her. And the other problem I have with her is she's too powerful. She's like Rey in you know Last Jedi. She already is good at everything. There's nothing to learn. There's no character development for her. They kind of tried it with uh, Danny Pink to develop her character more, but none of it was believable to me. So I, I just didn't like her because of that. Like I felt like her story should have ended with the 11th doctor. And then I probably would have much fonder memories of her because she served her purpose and the story was complete at that point to me. You know, that's something I'm really kind of um, tired or frustrated with in this new series. It's like most of the doctor's companions are extremely important. Like, Rose was a bad wolf. Uh, Martha was just like a normal girl who had a crush on the doctor. Donna was like super important. Amy was important, and Clara was important. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired of that trope. Like I, I'm, I was always, I was really glad that Bill was just like a pretty normal person. Like she, she wasn't super powerful. She wasn't like extremely important to the survival of the universe. Like she was just a girl at like university. And that's like I think that's why I really liked Bill because she, you know, she wasn't like an. You know, I loved Bill just for that reason. Him. She was yeah, great because she served the companion purpose very well. Mm -hmm. She asked questions. She was an audience analog. She was fun to watch, and she had a good story going. And she had such a tragic end uh, with a small cop out at the end. But it was you know such a tragic thing to see like how it got there. I'm curious because I I can tell from Justin's tone like he's not into the or he, I guess he's he's weary of the super important companions but I, I thought it might be worth bringing up like because I, I felt like as Clara's story I mean I guess from my perspective like I don't I don't think Clara's you know a, a non 
developed character per se, uh, but I can see where you're coming from with it, like where you thought, oh, after a certain point, her story ended, because I I kind of feel that way after they did the whole thing with her and Danny Pink. Like, I, I kind of would have been fine if she had just left the show at that point. Like, and yet they go on to have a whole other series with her. I, I guess I can see your point of view, only I, I shift it from you know, where I think the cutoff point is with, with Clara. Like, I would have been fine if they had ended it there instead of kept it going further. Um, if, if they had planned it that way, I might have been able to be okay with it too, but I just think she overstays her welcome. Like, she's not... No, no, that, yeah. that, that, I, I actually, you know, it's funny, as much as I like Clara, like, I, I can totally appreciate and understand where you're coming from with that, because I, I kind of feel like Series 9 is my version of her overstaying her welcome like yours might be way earlier than mine but i think we eventually get on the same train if that makes any sense like because and and i guess the reason why i was bringing up series nine was i was thinking of Maisie williams and i don't even know how to say her damn character's name but you know she's the like little viking girl and then she becomes like this you know essentially like a highlander or something for doctor who where she's like immortal and everything and like i was wondering like I'm guessing Justin's answer would be fuck no, but I'm wondering like like it seemed like throughout Clara's overstaying her welcome episodes, it's like they were sort of kind of trying to feel out like what are we going to do for the next companion? And I think Maisie Williams was one of those feelers. And I also kind of think like you remember the girl like from the school too in like I think it was like the the plant episode where like all the trees like saved the world from the sun, like going Nova or whatever. Like, like they had the little schoolgirl, and I guess her name was Courtney or whatever. Like I I'm kind of like, is Courtney like the proto bill? Like it's like, it's like, it reminded me of like when they were trying to do feelers to bring Jason Todd back to life in the Batman books. So then they had like the stuff in hush. And then it turned out to be like, you know, Clayface pretending to be Jason Todd or whatever. But it's like, mm-hmm. you kind of got the idea they were like, well, what if we really did bring back Jason Todd? Like, how would people react to it? And let's pull a fast one and not really do it, but see what their re- reaction would be. And then later on, they do bring back Jason Todd. So I'm kind of like, I guess that girl Courtney is kind of like the hush to Bill's, you know, return of Jason Todd. Like, and, and they actually went through with it. Like, sort of, they, they actually took a, a similar, you know, companion archetype, I guess, that they were going for. And they, they went, you know, full tilt to the, to, you know, they, they put the pedal to the metal on that and just went ahead and did it. And it's like, I, I guess I, you know, kind of appreciate that. But, like, I was kind of curious what you thought of, like, the, I guess, potential candidates that could have been companions. Like, if Maisie Williams ended up being capaldi's companion for a series like would that have like i don't know hurt your feel bads because she was super special because she was like immortal and everything or or do you just think they wouldn't have even synced as as uh you know i guess a doctor and a companion i i don't think i would have liked that i wasn't that interested in her character like i have no problem with macy herself like i think she's great but i just was not into that character and you know, kind of like what you guys are saying, as much as I like Clara, I, I'm kind of like Zach. I feel like she really overstayed her welcome. I feel like there were three or four points 
uh, throughout Capaldi's run where she could have left and she probably should have left and didn't. And then what really bothered me was like, okay, Clara dies and faced the Raven. But then like she gets like a reprieve from that and she gets to like, she gets her own TARDIS and she gets to like go through time and space with Macy Williams. But then she has to go back and die eventually. And I was like, that, that's, you you lost me like that's that's too far like you went too far with that sir so like if if macy had become the capaldi's companion like i i wouldn't have been into that it's like they couldn't they didn't have the guts to give her a tragic end like, yeah that's a common occurrence with the new series and definitely with the old series probably if you look at the vast history of it but you know the, very few companions have a tragic end i mean the, the ones that spring to mind would be like Sarah Kingdom, Adric, Donna, you know, characters like that, they get a, I mean, Donna kind of gets a happy ending, but I still think she has one of the saddest ever endings as a Doctor Who companion. Um, just having, she finally develops to a point where she's a the person that she should be, and she gets it all taken away from her, and she goes back to being the way she was, and it's... It's incredibly tragic for that. I love Donna as a companion. I don't care what people say about her as annoying as she can be. Um, looking at someone like Macy Williams' character, it's the same problem as Clara. Like she, and my impressions of her come from her final appearance, obviously at this point. But she's too perfect. She's too powerful at this point. She's developed all the way to the end. I wouldn't like mm. that. If the story had been about if she did become a companion and it was, you know, maybe the 12th Doctor teaching her to be a immortal. Like, how do you deal with this in a way that was better than what she had, what she actually went through? Like trying to, you know, make her a better person. Kind of like what ultimately happened with Missy is, you know, he was trying to rehabilitate her. That might have been an interesting take on it. But for the most part, I don't think her character was shown in a way that made me want to see more of her than we already got. Yeah, I think she even like got her own novel i think it's called like tales of the shielder or something and i saw that and i was like do i want to read this and i was like no i I don't think i'm interested in tales of like macy williams (laughs) is it is it weird like i'm just gonna go back to something that i guess zach brought up is it weird that i kind of feel like all the new who companions have tragic endings I mean, like, like I get what you're saying. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like that you're isolating like a few, you know, instances where it's tragic in the sense that they, you know, like you're either heartbroken about it or people literally die. But like, I, I still think that like, it, I guess to me, it's the same, the same transposing of what Justin was saying. Like, all these companions are super important, and they all have these, you know, heart wrenching separations from the doctor and it's just like it can't just be like you know oh dude i'm gonna get some in and out like see you later doctor goodbye like so long enjoy like getting in and out with some other person later next season like like it's never like that it's always like oh rose and 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 you know david tennant have to have like you know a heart to heart and she gets ripped through a portal and everybody cries or you know it's like you know they they have to you know amy pond has to turn around and see the damn grave and it's like don't look amy don't look you know and it's all this and and it's like i'm making fun of it but like you know it's serious right and i guess Mm -hmm. i guess for me like the reason why i would have preferred it to end with with danny pink's thing is because i i mean and i guess i don't i don't know if this is me like 
sort of giving myself a sense of self-importance. But like, I, I kind of feel like I, I was trying to think of how to articulate my feelings about Danny Pink's arc to you guys without coming off as pretentious or a douchebag. But like, I, I feel like th the best way I can sum it up is as the son of a soldier, I feel like I have a certain insight to and maybe sensitivity to that arc in general. And it's sort of, you know, to use the vernacular of the kids, it sort of like triggers my feels, if that makes any sense. And like that, that whole arc. And then, and then to me, like, that's why I've got my avatar of the doctor, you know, finally saluting Leftbridge Stewart. Like I love Leftbridge Stewart. And the fact that I can appreciate and understand the magnitude of what that means to him and that he was, you know, and, and it, it also kind of echoes my feelings about how I think sometimes soldiers are treated in society. The fact that these guys that, you know, laid lives on the line and everything end up as these essentially disposable cybermen, you know, I mean, it, it kind of makes me mad, but it, it feels like there's a certain sense of, verisimilitude you know to it like like it's it's it seems valid in some way too because it's it's there's there's a, a truth to it and i guess that arc always kind of i guess chokes me up or you know and and to me i would argue like for me like since it hits my feels you know like to me that would be a tragic enough ending like a, a good enough reason for clara and the doctor to part ways and if they would have ended it on that like, I don't think Clara would have, I guess, as you guys have pointed out, like sort of overstayed her welcome with me. Like, I, I get that for some of you guys, it, it probably might have been way earlier than that. But like for me personally, that was one of the things about that season that I guess at least those episodes worked for me. Like, I kind of got mad at the 12th Doctor for how he treated Danny Pink, though. He was kind of hypocritical. Like, because either, you know, of my experience of him being part of unit and or being, you know, the quote unquote war doctor, like, I just kind of went, well, dude, you you have to know this stuff, right? Like, you you have to know where he's coming from. You can't just, I don't know, put your head in the sand like an ostrich because there's this weird thing going on between you, him and Clara. Like, like you it's like it's like you still have to kind of understand that. But it seemed like. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like it was this weird, fake, dramatic tension that they just kind of came up with. Like, I, I, I kind of never really cottoned to the, I guess, the middle of that series. It's like I was kind of on board with it for the first couple episodes. And then, you know, as they got deeper into it, where he's like, you know, I don't know, it just seemed like like he was like some kind of grumpy uncle that just didn't get along with Clara's like new man. And I was just kind of like, I, I get that that's dramatic tension, but it seemed like the reasons for it seemed sort of hypocritical on the doctor's part. But I, I guess I noticed like some other longtime doctor who fans don't seem to share my take on, I guess, because I, I kind of see it as, okay, well he was part of unit. And also because he went through what he went through as the war doctor, I kind of see that as, you know, not necessarily defining his entire at least because he went through that experience. Like he can't be completely, you know, 
you know, to, to, to use the David Tennant thing, you know, he can't be completely in the, you know, nobody dies today mode. Like he's, he's got to realize that there, there are other outcomes to that as much as he would like that to be a reality, I guess. But I don't know if I've said too much or if you guys have any comments on what I've just said, but I know it's a lot to sort of process with Danny Pink. It was difficult to get behind the character because he's just kind of thrust into things out of nowhere. I know my wife really liked him as a character. I was kind of didn't really care. Uh, Honestly, like I didn't see much chemistry between him and Clara that made any sense. And I found like after the initial jokes of like, oh, she's going off with the doctor. So she forgets conversations and she forgets things that were said because from her perspective, weeks have gone by or months even. And, you know, she comes back and there he is again. And he thinks only like a couple hours have gone by. So like those jokes got old pretty quick and it wasn't his death. Spoiler alert, I guess um, (laughs) when he dies, it's just so abrupt. And I didn't even realize it happened until like 10 minutes later in the episode. Like I had to go back and be like, wait, what? He died? Like, because it, it was just such a strange thing to like the way they did it. It's not, it wasn't a very common thing to see in Doctor Who. Like people die all the time in the show, obviously, but the way it was done, it just felt wrong, like off almost. I, I, I guess that's how I feel about him. When he, his finale, like with, like you said, with Lethbridge Stewart, that, that was what redeemed that episode for me. Cause I always like, uh, Cybermen are one of my favorite villains, but I never thought until I never thought they, they did them very well during their middle episodes, I guess. They, their their intro to the new series and their outro so far of the new series were fantastic. Uh, but that episode with the master bringing them back, it just felt like they were that whole episode sat very poorly with me because the segment were delegated to foot soldiers for them for Missy who so like why would you combine these two things they don't belong together in this way the cybermen are their own race they have minds of their own but she's just controlling them so they just basically become cannon fodder and soldiers in the background because they needed them and then you have the story of danny being turned into one but it's i don't know it just didn't feel like they deserved to do what they did with it i i kind of think that the end of that episode redeemed the entire like season for me or at least you know, I, at least my like for that moment makes me kind of forgive some of the other problems I had, like where it, I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe forgives too strong a word. But it, it's like I, I like that moment, but I don't really like all the bullshit that led up to it. So uh, I guess in some sense, I guess I'm agreeing with your, your, you know, your assessment of the episode, like where like certain you know, the ma- the Missy Master or whatever doesn't go with the Cybermen. And, you know, the, the way he died, like, just kind of like, oh, I'm going to walk across the street and get hit by a car, you know, like that kind of thing, like where you're like, yeah. oh, that's kind of, you know, out of the fucking blue or whatever. Like, it's funny. I, I think it's worth noting that, like, like Rachel Talalay was the one who directed those episodes. And she also directed Twice Upon a Time. And I think she did the finale for series nine as well and like all i really know her from like for me the, the the first thing that comes to mind is like she worked on all the nightmare and elm street movies and then she directed the most horrible one of them all which is freddy's dead and then it's like and then she went on to direct tank girl you know and you're just kind of like i don't know like for me i'm kind of like i'm kind of impressed that the the episodes are as you know kind of watchable as they are you know like but i mean maybe that's like mean but i'm just like you know i don't know like tank girl and freddy's dead are not like 
pristine examples of fine filmmaking. So, you know. Can, can I ask you guys a question? Like, Zach already kind of broached the subject, but what do you guys think of Missy? I love her. I, I think she's the a natural progression for the master because the master's always been known as like, I'm evil. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, that's what he's been since his inception. He was, he always had a, an evil plot. It might, you know, he might have a reason for it, but it was always very paper thin in my opinion, especially with the Anthony Ainley master. It was always just like, why are you doing this? Like, you don't really have a reason. You just want to rule the universe. I think uh, the eighth doctor makes jokes about that in the Shada uh, audio play. He's like, Oh, I know you, you want to rule the universe. Like it's a terrible, like it makes no sense that you'd want to do something like that. But the Missy, she just wants her friend back. Like it, 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 connects the doctor and the master in a way that we haven't really seen much of and i and i like her character especially in her final like in the finale uh when you get to see her interact with her older self and spoilers again uh it's just really cool to see that and she was reflecting on what she used to be it's it's neat it's a new take on the master so i really like missy i think i think for me, Zach keyed in on the one thing that stood out to me about this version is that Missy wants her friend back. Like, even though it's like a really perverse and crazy way to go about doing it. Like, I guess I guess that hit me the hardest only because I think personally, like I think when that episode came out, I was going through some stuff where I basically was, you know, in I don't know what the right word to say is, but basically like I I kind of had either lost a friend or at least, you know, had a falling out with a friend. And like th just that notion that like, I guess to me, the, the master seemed like before that, like where I kind of viewed him as like, you know, the general Zod to Superman or something. Whereas I think this like Missy is more like, you know, the Harry Osborn to Peter Parker, you know, like there's some, you know, deeper connection there. And even though it's twisted and it, usually ends up in them getting into these horrible knockdown drag out fights. Like there is that sense of like, at one point you and I were buds, like we were friends, like we, we saw eye to eye on some things, you know, but it, it's just, it, it's gotten so twisted and ugly that, you know, it, it's almost like at that point you, it's, it's extremely difficult to go back from, those things you know like some things you know you just can't unsay you know and it's like that that's that's kind of how i viewed their relationship where it, she's kind of like oh can we just go back to gallifrey together so like that part of it hit pretty pretty hard home for me at the time i don't know that i because I, I was trying to like i was like oh okay like and leftbridge stewart as the cyberman like shoots her at the end and then i was like oh how did she come back and it's like oh yeah she just said she teleported away and i was just kind of like ah you know i don't know like i i know that probably led to some cool stuff with like the master meeting the master and stuff like that but i was just kind of like i don't know i was i, I kind of get annoyed when it's like you know oh she's dead but she's not dead you know like type thing like i i wish they would have just stuck to one or the other as far as that goes that's pretty much like a trope of the master because like at the end of all his schemes he seemingly dies but then he always comes back so i kind of like see that as like an old doctor who trope yeah i was gonna sense. say the same yeah, thing yeah. that that's such a master thing to do is to like have an escape that like makes you think it, that they're dead 
you know, and uh, a lot of old episodes he did that where you think, oh, that's the end of him. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I, I think I at least got up to one of the first ones in the John Pertwee episodes. So I, I'm, I guess I get that, you know, trope or whatever. But I think I think having not been exposed to it at the time I was watching those episodes, I was kind of like, what? Like I, I, I fell for it. I was like, I thought the master was dead, but it's like, nope. They used to have a, a clever bit in all the old episodes if you read the credits and things like that before they reveal that the master is there they would always do an anagram of either the master or the actor's name or something like that to hide that he was in the episode this was back before the internet so there was it was harder to do spoilers (laughs) do you guys have any thoughts on or do you want to discuss the fires of pompoli as it relates to the 12th doctor because i remember that was something that was brought up in a lot of interviews and everything and I, I i i'm pretty sure i mean i guess it was addressed ultimately in the run but i'm kind of curious i guess just to spell it out like the you know capaldi was in the fires of pompoli as like a roman that you know tenant does not save and do you I mean guess, pompey oh pompey yeah so <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah i'm just like okay but um yeah so the fires of pompeii but like i don't know like i guess i guess the 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 main thing he says is that he took the face to remind himself to save people and i mean i, I guess that's as as kind of simple as i can make the explanation but i mean it seemed like they made an awful big deal of it in like interviews and different things like that so i'm just kind of curious like is that explanation enough for you guys like did you dwell on that any further than what was sort of doled out to you in the series or is that something that you thought maybe they could have expanded more upon it it seems like something they really did bring up a lot in interviews and they were like oh we're gonna explain it we're definitely gonna explain it it makes sense and i was always like well why bother i mean it, it doesn't matter that he has the same I mean, Colin Baker played a totally different character before he was the Sixth Doctor in Doctor Who, and so have other actors. So I was like, why do you even need to explain it? Like, why bother? Just, it did, you know, it's some of those things that doesn't matter, but for, I don't know, reasons they decided to tie it in there. And their explanation, I was like, yeah, okay, that works, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, it wasn't a big thing for me. Um, I mean... I think they went further to explain why he was a character in Torchwood as well. Like he was a descendant of that character from Fires of Pompeii. Um, but I mean, it, it didn't need to be said because I was going to say the same thing about Colin Baker. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like no one could, no one wonders why the Sixth Doctor chose to look like Commander Maxwell. I mean, because nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, it seems like weird things get brought up in interviews, and they keep getting repeated as questions like the one i remember was like they were gonna explain why you see capaldi in day of the doctor you know you see his eyebrows or whatever and i was like well who cares what the story behind that is like he showed up and he had his moment you know like that was a huge moment where the guy's like no sir all 13 and you see like his glaring eyes and his giant eyebrows like that moment didn't need a backstory and they kept saying, I think Moffat said this more than once. He was like, "Yeah, we're gonna explain that. We're gonna explain." Did they ever? He, like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> like, 
Moffat kept saying, we're going to explain that. There's a story behind that. We're going to show you how he got into the Day of the Doctor. And I was like, you don't need to. Like, that, that we don't need that backstory. And, and thankfully, they didn't touch it. Like, I guess Moffat forgot or he ran out of time and he quit or, or whatever. So I It's was, a show about time travel. He went back and helped his, himself. <laughs> like, that's all you got to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a there's an episode I want to ask your you guys' opinion on like the episode listen. It seems to be one of those episodes people either really like or they really dislike. So I want to know like what do you guys feel about that episode? Do you like it or do you dislike it? You're gonna have to refresh my memory on that one. Okay, uh, listen is the episode where the doctor thinks the reason you talk to yourself when you're alone is because you're not alone. Like there's always, is that the one with the kid uh, with the, and the something under the bed or something? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's okay, also yeah. the one where like where the TARDIS goes wonky. They end up on Gallifrey and Clara ends up grabbing the leg of a young first doctor and she freaks him out. That's right. Him out. I, I don't know. I, that was his first season, right? Yeah. 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 I don't remember feeling either way about it like it was i remember watching it and thinking like okay they're trying to do it as like a horror movie it, it didn't bother me either way like it was just I, I think the part with clara is probably the biggest controversy for people like being there in his bedroom and scaring the crap out of him and basically causing him to be and i think the problem with that is it just adds more to like clara is so important like and that's probably why people hated it so much mm. is because it's just it's focusing more on Clara being the reason the doctor is the way he is and okay. making her such an important thing. Well, I, I was just going to say, it seems like that, that comes up a lot too, where it's like there, there was some like weird circular time, timey wimey thing where it's like what she says to him, like be strong, like be Dan, the soldier man. Like then she ends up saying that to the doctor and the doctor's the one who told her to tell it to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like it's eating its own tail, basically. But like with like timey wimey stuff, and like I, I guess I could see that. Like if you if you really hated Clara's impact on Doctor Who, and you think she's this you know Mary Sue of a character, it's like there's there's another thing to I guess smack you in the face with like oh look at like she basically all the good advice the Doctor's giving her actually came from her. Like in the past or whatever, you know, and you're just kind of like, I guess, you know, shaking your head or doing a face palm or whatever. Like, I, I guess I never saw it from that perspective because never looked at Clara like that. But I guess when you, you know, point it out like that, I can I can see why somebody would would uh, react negatively towards that episode. I, I thought like the episode that was supposed to be like super controversial was the one where the the moon like catched a dragon or whatever or some shit you know like <laughs> and i was like having oh, to okay. crap out an egg the same size yeah. and yeah. <laughs> yeah physics be damned yeah <laughs> i i like i really liked listen and I, I think the thing i really liked about it is the premise of whether or not they invisible threat exists like it's it's kind of up to the viewer to determine if it exists or not it's like it's up to you to decide if the thing under the blanket was another kid or if it was the monster because you never really see it you never get a clear look at it and i was like that's really that's really kind of interesting and the first time i watched that episode i was like well of course there's, there's totally uh, an invisible monster and it, even at the end of the universe where there's there's a thing like banging on the door and the doctor is like oh it's a uh, change in temperature and, and in pressure and that's what's making the sound or it's a monster 
and I, I rewatched the episode uh, a few days ago, and I was like, "Is there a monster? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you could totally like, you could totally disregard all these things and all his theories he's came up with, and you know, it just, it just depends on the viewer." And I thought that was a really kind of a, you know, clever girl kind of like concept for an episode. It does play off a very interesting like childhood experience you know like everyone's had that you know experience like okay how did the door get shut i don't remember you know doing that or whatever and yeah that's a scary scary moment for a kid and some adults Uh, i mean i can think of times like i'm walking through my house i'm like i don't remember doing that like why is that open and it's probably something silly like okay there was a window and a draft or whatever and i'm sure i could come up with a rational explanation but as a kid no i would not have been able to come up with a rational there's someone in my house it's an invisible alien that's going to freaking kill me like that's what's (laughs) going to go through my brain you know uh so it's like up until the end with you know the sequence with clara that episode i did dig it uh the sequence with clara just bugged me because again like more stuff making Clara the more important character. You know, you know the one thing that Clara did that bugged me was like when she gave the first Doctor and Susan his TARDIS because you know she's on Gallifrey yeah, yeah. in that repair bay and she's like, oh, don't take that one, Doctor. Take this one. It's busted. It's more fun. And I was like, really? Like, did did you really need to do that? Come on. That was early on with Clara, and that one didn't bother me as much. In retrospect, it probably would have bothered me if they did that later, but because it was so early and it was during that that explanation of what she was and what she was supposed to be, I'm like, okay, I can, I, I get it. They just wanted to have that moment where she interacts with every doctor. You guys reminded me of something that, that I wanted to ask you guys, but I guess this is going back to my little analogy about, you know, Hush and Jason Todd and, and how, like, they're trying to slowly set up things like you think that them like there there were a few episodes where clara even said she was the doctor and then given you know justin's kind of discomfort with the fact that like her and Maisie williams go into the you know busted diner tardis thing and you know presumably have adventures for as long as they want until she goes back to her fixed moment in time to die like do you think that was sort of a feeler as like, oh, could we have a female doctor? Like, would people, what would be the response to that? Like, like almost like they're laying the groundwork for, uh, you know, the, I guess what would be Jodie Whittaker's tenure as the doctor? Like, is that, is that something that, that has occurred to either of you? Cause I was like thinking about that. Cause I'm kind of like, oh, well they, they sort of, I mean, they're they're sort of massaging you, you know, kind of getting you ready for the idea, right? Because they're, they, you know, it's like, oh, from your perspective, the, a Mary Sue of a woman, but like, you know, here's a, a a good-looking, independent, you know, female that is, you know, quote unquote, in charge of her own destiny, and they're going off to have adventures in a TARDIS, and and it's there's, you know, no boys allowed in this TARDIS, you know, type thing or whatever. So I was like, oh, well, maybe that's. I don't know, maybe that that's kind of like a hint of what is to come, you know, which did come, I guess, now in hindsight. I, I feel like if they were testing the water with that, like it would have been Missy herself. Like they were probably yeah. gauge fan reaction. To oh, yeah, her. yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, definitely. I think Missy was definitely the plunge, uh, but they had already made hints at it in the past. Like uh, the episode where the TARDIS kind of came to life. Uh, the doctor makes a reference to another time lord switching genders, you know, and it's been it was mentioned a lot of times during Capaldi's run 
that it could happen. It was even shown several times with Missy, with the other doctor, with the, uh, I mean, the other uh, Time Lord that was on Gallifrey during one of his finales. Uh, yeah. So it, it, they were, if they were testing the waters, I, I would say Missy was the test. And she was pretty well received from what I understand. So, well, I'm curious because we, we've danced around everything about him, but we haven't really talked about Capaldi himself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because, you know, Derek and I would talk about the episodes as we watched them. And I think we both like had different takes on the, the 12th Doctor himself. But that, that's, one of the reasons I wanted to do this because it, you know, we usually agree on the fan holes about a great many things, but it's I I kind of enjoy the episodes where we don't quite see eye to eye. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this. One. Well, what like I guess go into that then because because I, I it's like one of those things where Zach's like you'll have to refresh my memory on the episode. Listen, how do you see the twelfth Doctor versus how do you see how I see the twelfth Doctor? To me, he's the Sixth Doctor done right. I'm not a big fan of the Sixth Doctor, although I will say, like, I really enjoy his audiobooks. Like, those are my favorite ones to listen to. So I think the failure of the Sixth Doctor was all in, like, the writing of the TV show. So it, it has nothing to do with, like, Colin Baker himself or anything. I was really glad when they revealed the Twelfth Doctor would be uh, an older man, because I, I just kind of assumed... You know, like all the fangirls and whatnot, like they were just gonna do another young, good-looking guy and keep things going. And I, I kind of wanted that to change. Like I was, I kind of feel like I was burnt out on the whole like Matt Smith shenanigans, where he's like young and he has like he feels like a kid who needs like his ADHD medicine and everything. Like I was, it was nice at first, but I I kind of like got tired of that. So I was really wanting something different. So when we got an older guy like Capaldi, I was like, man, this is going to be this is gonna be really great. Like, I'm, I think this will be a change. And I think it was a nice change. I like the fact that he, I like the fact that he didn't want people to hug him or touch him. And you, you see that in his first episode. He's like, oh, the hugging. Like, I don't think I like hugging anymore. Like, hugging is just a way of, like, not showing someone your face. I was like, oh, I like that. I like that he's completely different than 10 and 11. I like the fact that he's a bit more gruff and stern and stubborn in his attitude. I like the fact that he refers to humans as pudding heads, whereas, you know, Tennant and Smith were like, oh, humans are great. Like, I, I like humans. Earth, Earth is a really nice planet. Whereas Capaldi gets really kind of exasperated having to, like, explain things to people. He's like, oh, I'm not going to bother explaining. Like, your pudding head would, like, explode if I told you what this was. So I really just like the the fact that his personality was completely different from like 9, 10, and 11. And it seemed like whenever we would talk about maybe some of his adventures, like Derek, you would just kind of be like, ah, I don't know, like I don't think I like him. And the thing that always made me laugh was like, you're like, I don't know what he's saying. I can't understand him. I can't understand his accent. <laughs> that that's still that's still true because like I I when I watched Deep Breath again, it was still like every other sentence. I was like, you know what? I don't know, but I'm not. I'm too lazy to turn on the closed caption to figure out what the hell's being said. And then and then I don't know if it's going to carry over to Jodie Whittaker or not because. I, I believe what she said was, oh, brilliant. That's the word brilliant. Then I'm a fucking monkey's uncle's <laughs> ass or whatever. Because yeah, I, I don't I, I don't want to hear that at all. Doctor. I let you go. 
So, I I don't know if it's because I, you know, live in the South and I'm used to like people like mumbling and like not speaking clearly and fudging the words or whatnot. But like, I never had a problem understanding Capaldi at all. But like, when he regenerated into Jody, like. I had no clue what she said. I was like, wait, what'd she say? I had to rewind it. And I was like, I think she says, oh, brilliant. And then I got on Twitter and people were like quoting her. I was like, okay, so she did say, oh, brilliant. I was like, oh, man, like, is this how Derek, like, hears Capaldi? Yes, that, that's exactly <laughs> how I hear Capaldi, like, you know. Well, you know what's funny is I, I think I got used to him as I watched more episodes. So, like, I think I think it, it became less like every other sentence and more like, you know, you know, just every once in a while, I and and it got to the point where I kind of like, I don't want to say I, I gave up on it, but it was almost like, well, if I can't understand what he's mumbling about for this one stretch, it's like it must not be that important, and I let it stop bothering me because, like, I think at first, like, like when I watched Deep Breath originally, like it really bothered me because I kept going back and kept trying to like, what, what, I. I, what I don't know you know and I still didn't know and like of course I didn't turn on the closed caption or anything like that and I'm just like ah I you know whatever and I kept going but then I think after a certain point if I ever had those kind of moments I just kept going forward I mean I don't you know I I I think there's things about him that I can relate to um I but I I guess I guess you're talking about the points where we disagree like I think the, the one of the reasons why I didn't immediately like him was because I think I had a hypersensitivity towards Danny Pink and I just thought he treated him like shit like and I, I felt like that was like just a really a whole awkward thing and like the the notion that he is it's like okay he questions himself and you think like well if you question yourself then you know how like most people like the the thing is if you ask if you're constantly asking if you're a good man well you have to be a better man than a man who never asks that of himself right so there's there's that philosophy to it but then there's the aspect of maybe all he wants you know maybe that's not what's really going on maybe he's just that pretty girl that's asking, am I pretty? You know, and all they want is that self-affirmation of, yes, yes, you're a good man. You know what I mean? And and so there, there's that aspect to it that I, I tend to be skeptical of and or question. And and so there I don't know, some sometimes I, I kind of wonder about that because you know, there there are certain things that he does throughout the course of the series that are practical and or expedient, but people see it as cold and and heartless and i'm not gonna necessarily cast judgment on that and and i don't think i did while i was watching it but it, it, it's funny to me that you know like there, there are certain things that i thought maybe were immutable with the regeneration of a doctor like they you know okay he might not like hugs but he's still the doctor right like he's still you know doesn't trust a Dalek, right? Like, like it doesn't matter how many times he regenerates. There's not going to be like a doctor that regenerates. It's like, dude, me and the Dalek are bros. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I felt like there were some things that were just immutable, but I, I think Capaldi kind of made me reconsider that. Cause, cause it's almost like, Oh wait, you know, cause, cause I think they really wanted to hit you over the head with like, this is not 
you know, Matt Smith anymore, you know, like, like, and, and he is completely different. And, and there's, there's certain aspects of it where I guess some of the things that hit home to me was like his relationship with Clara. Like, I, I don't think I've had a relationship like that with too many people in my life, but I, I did, I did have like this Capaldi moment with, with somebody that I, I knew at work and it was like an intern and you know, I guess what, whatever I must have had an impact on her cause I did not expect this at all. But when it was her last day, like she basically like hugged me, like Clara hugged the doctor. And I was kind of like the doctor going, um, this feels weird, pat, pat, like, all right, you know, type thing. And it was like one of those things where I was like, Oh, I kind of get, I kind of get what he's, you know, like how he feels like where this is like, I don't like this hugging thing. This is, this is weird. Like, why are we doing this? You know, but, but okay. Like, you know, cause, cause probably, probably I was that guy calling everybody else, but her a pudding head, you know what I mean? And like, like kind of going like, Oh, these people are pudding heads. I'm not going to explain it to them. And it's like, Oh, okay. So, so I guess in some sense you're like sitting there going, okay, I can kind of understand where he's coming from with certain things. But but I also kind of thought that, you know, maybe that the innate heroism of the Doctor as a character should have been immutable throughout Regenerations. But the fact that he's kind of constantly questioning himself and maybe failing to deliver on the affirmative of the question sort of made me, I don't know, just, just kind of, you know, question that entire thought process that I was having. Zach, how do you feel about the twelfth Doctor? I I like Capaldi. Like I, I like the twelfth Doctor. Just you said it. Pretty much what I was going to say was he's the sixth Doctor done right. The sixth Doctor was always meant to be like start off as very abrasive, very arrogant, and peel back the layers. And I think they achieved that with Capaldi over the course of his series. I feel like he got the shaft as far as stories for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't. You know, with Matt Smith, with uh, David Tennant especially, um, I would rewatch the episodes over and over and over again. There are very few Capaldi episodes that I want to go back and rewatch. Um, there, there are some that I still I do that with, but there, the, his run has so many misses compared to hits, in my opinion. That's the downside to the Twelfth Doctor. As a character, I like him a lot because, you know, he is he brings out some of the aspects of the doctor I always liked his sarcasm, his, you know, intolerance of stupidity, you know, and he just exemplifies that he is what the sixth doctor tried to achieve. He's also a lot of mix of the first doctor in some ways. Mm, yeah, I can see a lot of those uh, every anytime you see it, meet a new doctor. It's always like, OK, what? aspects of the doctor's personality are going to come to the foreground and not everybody likes that because they want you know like you were saying Derek like uh, or one of you said it about you know how oh is this going to be another mathematics is this going to be another David Tennant you know the pretty boy or whatever they're fun and I do like those you know their runs because they have some great stories but the Capaldi's take on the doctor is very fresh compared to the the two of them and even to uh, the the ninth doctor in some ways, you know, the ninth doctor was also a little rude to people, but they didn't take it to this extreme. I feel, I think the problem with Capaldi's run besides the stories is though they tend to uh, give the actor a lot of uh, 
leeway in what gets done. Like, you know, they brought in a lot of his personality as well, like the guitar playing and stuff like that. I didn't mind it, but it does add more layers to the doctor. Like, oh, really? He he plays guitar now? Like, oh, he, he, he can do this now? He can do that now? Like, it, it just... It, it was a little bit more surprising, which I guess is good because it's, it's new things to being brought to him. And if you have lived as long as the doctor, you know what? Maybe he did spend a couple hundred years learning how to play the guitar. Who knows? He, he's like, I play the guitar now. Guitar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, Capaldi, I, I feel like he got shafted for stories. That, that's really what it comes down to. But he had one of probably the best finale of any doctor. Uh, his His outro is my favorite by far and he has some of the best christmas specials of the new series yeah we haven't touched on those <laughs> that's something i think i i totally agree with because like i i sometimes the christmas specials are hit or miss with me like i i think i think the one that's probably my favorite is i can't think of the name now but it's the matt smith one where he basically you know helps that one family and then and then saves their their dad who's away at you know, I think it's what, like World War One or World War Two or something and, you know, saves them from the, the plane or whatever and brings them back to the family. And there are those like, I don't know, giant whatever, you know, mechs that are tearing down trees and all that kind of stuff. But like That's the one I, they ripped off Narnia, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like I kind of I, I think I kind of enjoyed that for what it was like, kind of felt like it actually did capture some holiday spirit and you know, was, was an enjoyable romp, but like, I, I, I would agree with you. Like, I think I did enjoy all the specials. I don't think, I don't know. I, I know Justin's told me some of the ones he, he didn't care for as much as, as some of the others, but I, I can't think of one that I like was like, Oh, I hate this. You know, like I can't stand it, you know, or whatever. Whereas I, I'm sure, I'm sure I could come up with a few from some of the other doctors that i just didn't care for you know the, the only thing i remember about that matt smith christmas special is they referenced the caves of androzani that was the only thing i liked about it because the caves of androzani is one of the best doctor who episodes of all time but uh yeah. <laughs> the 12th doctor's christmas specials especially the the like i didn't think they could top the wedding of river song because that one is amazing um but they i feel like they at least on par with it if not better than with uh, Twice Upon a Christmas, because it was so much fun to see the two doctors interact. But Wedding of River Song is definitely one of my favorite Christmas specials of all time. And that's coming off of, I didn't really care for any of Matt Smith's Christmas specials. They were just, they are what they are. And then David Tennant's, his weren't that great either, except for his introdu- introductory episode, which I liked just because it introduced him. And they made a Hitchhiker's Guide reference in it. Yeah, I think I think of the the uh, tenant ones. I I like the one where he's on the what is it, the Titanic or whatever. Like I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with you though. Most of those specials aren't too much to write home about. But I did. I mean, I I guess I guess I'll 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 attack the elephant in the room with full force. But I from what I understand, Justin did not like the the uh, Doctor Mysterio one, and 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 I. I, oh, I kind of I kind of thought it was fine, but I, I could see like myself like it's it's treading that fine line of like, you know, poser bullshit and like coolness. So I, I could kind of <laughs> understand it. But do, do you want to go into like Dr. Mysterio at all, Justin? Like what I mean, I had Goku in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to go into okay. it because I hate it. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't like it. No, nobody's twisting your arm. If you compare that one to the like other Capaldi one. specials, yeah, it's probably the weakest of all of them. But if you compare it to all the Christmas specials, it's middle of the road. It's not it's not terrible, but it's not great either. I, I haven't rewatched it, so it can't be I don't remember much of it other than like, eh, that was that was okay. <laughs> the other Christmas specials like River Song and stuff are on the DVD sets. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the order in them. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I think I think that was the special before twice upon a Christmas or whatever. Oh, the which, husbands which, are song. I think I said yeah, wedding. Yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. Sorry, I, I just realized. Speaking of things I don't like, um, there was one big thing we have not talked about. Um, a companion oh, Nardole. Twelfth. Okay. Nardole. Yes. Yes. Remember Nardole? Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I hate him. He's worse, oh, he's worse than Adric. Like that's that how I feel harsh. about Nordal. I despise him. Like he, I don't even know why they added him to like that last yeah, season because yeah. he was like he, a, he guest was a guest star in the, like, the River Song special, yeah. And then they were like, he got his head cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. And then they were like, they were like, guess what? He's gonna be like a companion in the the, the next season. I was like, like really? Why? And then you watch those episodes, and it's like, he's just an afterthought. Like, I feel like they already had those scripts written, and then they were like, oh, we're adding this guy. And he had, he had like, a few scenes, and then he would, like, you know, go away for a while. It's like, oh, Counselor Troy, we can't use you. You go, like, to, like, the this other planet for, like, a vacation, because, like, if you read these guys' minds, you're going to unravel the plot. And it's like, oh, we f- forgot about Nardole. Like, Nardole, like, you go over here and, like, eat some ice cream and be useless and you know me and bill were gonna like take on the ice warriors or something i really have anything to say about nardle i mean he was just there that that's pretty much it (laughs) i i don't i don't hate nardle or anything like but i i don't maybe i'm a little more indifferent to him like it's it's more it's more background noise and the doctor who collective like i i guess if he was the companion like the official companion that'd be kind of weird but Otherwise, like, I mean, it's like him being there and being like the, I don't know, the the professor, tenured professor, doctor's assistant, you know, like that kind of makes sense, you know, and it's like, I, I, I would suggest maybe he's purposely annoying because he's supposed to be annoying, if that makes any sense. So, like, I can't, I don't know, I can't throw stones at someone for doing what they were intended to do do if that makes any sense like i'll throw this down (laughs) he's just he's just there um i mean he he i think is supposed to be the comic relief but ended up not being necessary it's kind of like harry sullivan like in the for the fourth doctor's era like oh wait we don't need him here like although i oh i like harry too yeah (laughs) <laughs> Harry's uh, chemistry with Sarah was fun to watch versus Nardole who is just he doesn't really seem to like Bill all that much at least not in the beginning of the season Yeah. so you don't really get to see that you know interaction between the two other than like he says something sarcastic and she just looks at him with a, that face of like really and then moves on <laughs> but then later on like again in that 
fantastic, you know, finale to his season, it's, you know, Nardole gets to do something for once and show off that, oh, he actually has some uses, but it's a, kind of too little too late at that point, I feel. And he also gets flirted with by a Mondasian, <laughs> which was weird. Can we, can we go into something that, that you said before, Zach, about how you kind of thought that they backtracked on Bill's ultimate fate? I'm just curious, like, because because I I think I kind of agree with you, like where I I kind of like the the Missy Master thing, like how I thought I kind of took it at face value, you know, and I I kind of took the whole she's she's a Cyberman, you know, at face value, but then I guess they they kind of get to have their cake and eat it too. It's like she has the tragic ending, but then she also gets to kind of you know hop, skip, and jump the galaxy with her you know, puddle friend or whatever, you know, like, so I was like, oh, well, then it's kind of like, it's not as tragic as I thought. So, but it, I mean, is that kind of what you were getting at, basically? I feel like it was a cop out. Like they didn't, they couldn't pull the trigger on killing Bill, you know, or at least letting her, if they had left it ambiguous as to what her fate was, did she stay a Cyberman? Is she still on that ship? Is she? Did they go back to Mondas? Like, if you didn't know what happened to her, and then she showed up in the Christmas special, good as new, it would have added a layer of mystery to it and made the reveal that she was that glass thing, you know, a, a memory of Bill, much more interesting and tragic. But to have the, the puddle lady show up and magically make her better and whisk her off into, you know, she gets her happy ending. Great. She gets her happy ending, but it kind of defeats like all the tragedy that happened before. I don't know. Maybe I just like a tragic ending for my companions, uh, but it's not, it, it just felt like a cop out, honestly. And then it felt even worse in the twice upon a Christmas when, you know, the, it cuts to Clara, like the, the, the thing becomes Clara instead and she gives back his memories. So Clara gets the, the glory at the end instead of Bill. Mm, Bill was mm. the last companion. Bill was the way more interesting character. I feel like she should have, you know, been the one to bring the, give the doctor's memories back and then maybe show Clara. Or is that what happened? I don't remember. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think you got it right. Like it's been a while since I saw it, but I think, I, I think I, I get what you're putting down as far as that goes. She does kind of like Clara definitely kind of usurps Bill, you know, being the, the most recent companion, I guess. Yeah. Like it's more believable in Matt Smith's final episode that he would dream of Amy Pond being there than of the 12th yeah. doctor because yeah. Amy and the 11th doctor have a, had a connection. They had chemistry. Yeah. It was a yeah. great story for them. Clara. I just don't believe I just don't believe her character deserved that. Honestly, like just felt weird. What about you, Justin? Like, do you, do you think that was kind of a cop out too? I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like Zach, like I think I would have preferred it if they had just stuck with the, the tragic ending. Like I remember watching that episode and seeing that hole in her chest. And I was just like, uh, okay. I don't know how you're gonna, I don't know how you're gonna undo this. Like, We've seen the doctor undo and fix a lot of situations, but like uh, a laser hole in, in your chest, like I don't know how he's gonna like fix that. And then she becomes a uh, a Cyberman. I was like, oh well, she's she's probably screwed. Like she's probably gonna die. And kind of like Zach, like I think it would have been 
a lot more interesting if you didn't know what her fate was. And then she shows up in the Christmas special as the glass person, the memory thing. Like, I, I think that was a lot more interesting to me. Yeah, I, I do remember kind of being shocked when they went down that road with her because I I was kind of convinced she was kind of off limits, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I didn't expect them to do that. And then I guess to get to what Zach and yourself are talking about, like the cop out kind of reaffirms my thought that she is off limits because it's like, but somehow they still got to have her you know like they they got to have her have that moment but then they quickly sort of you know rubber band back from from the the you know, like she's dead and she's a cyberman and that's it you know that's this is the end for bill you know and then all of a sudden like you're saying it's just kind of like well but not like don't get too mad at us you know the fans of bill because you know you know she's gonna get a happy ending too you know like kind of thing like where they're they're kind of you know, I don't know, walking on eggshells or something like that. It's like, I, it, it, there is part of me that wish they would have just ripped off the Band-Aid and been like, all right, like she, you know, the doctor, much like, I guess, you know, John Constantine or something, like people who are in his general circle tend to not have, you know, the greatest of fates, you know, like, I guess that's kind of what I was hinting at with the fact that I was kind of like, well, I don't know, man, all these people in New Who don't, you know, their lives don't seem to turn out that great after they have their their run with the doctor, you know, like, like it doesn't, you know, whether they're in some dystopian future or, you know, get ported off to live with a, a clone David Tennant or whatever, you know, whatever the end result is, it's not like, it's not like it was anything like their former existence was. So, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like that's true of, of a lot of people that inhabit the doctor's circle, you know, and then, and, and, and would lead him to, you know, have his Capaldi questioning of, am I a good man? Like, because everybody who enters my radius ends up either, you know, batshit crazy or dies or, you know, whatever, whatever happens to them, you know, that, that might lend some credibility to him kind of questioning whether or not he's a good person. Like, cause if he was a good person, then, you know, I, I mean, that, that to me was kind of the point of Nardole and all this other stuff. I mean, I know you're saying he's annoying, but that was kind of the thing of, oh, well, I'm going to stop whisking away these young women and and horrible things that end up happening to them after after I whisk them away you know so I'm just going to go cold turkey and I'm going to rehabilitate this monster of a friend I have from Gallifrey and that's all I'm going to do but then he kind of you know falls back into his his routine his pattern you know and, and kind of does his usual doctoring adventures with a companion because that's kind of who he is and that's how he actually somehow i guess formulates his his you know life and meaning you know so and and he can't help himself but to you know follow the pattern and have companions and go off and have adventures yeah that makes sense i mean he's he's he wants to go have adventures he wants to you know be out there and about but he he couldn't resist going back to that life nardell just was there to kind of hold him try to like keep him in check but it, i think he failed miserably at it too <laughs> the doctor was like you're holding me back you're jealous <laughs> all right well then i guess that is as good a place as any to wrap up our excursion with the 12th doctor and we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast but we're gonna stop for a minute and give zach a moment to tell us 
where people can find him in relative time and space dimensions. So why don't you tell us where we can find you out there on the interwebs, Zach? Oh, on the internet. I'm like, I don't want people coming to my house. Um, <laughs> I can be found uh, on Twitter at Bored with Friend. You can listen to our podcast, Bored with Friends. Uh, I'm also on the Critical Failure podcast uh, run by my friend Sean, who is a co-host of Board with Friends, uh, where we play Dungeons and Dragons and have no idea what we're doing. That's always fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm still on YouTube. Uh, we just rebranded our channel and all the nerdy fun for our all our podcast shows. And I semi keep up with it. Not really, because I'm terrible with deadlines. Yeah, I, I, I will say for anybody who's enjoying this and listening to this, they should definitely check out the board b-o-r-e-d with friends where you talk about doctor who because that's uh, a really good episode that you did and i i really got a kick out of listening to it you know as as a self-professed doctor who knew it was it was you know something that was i got to learn from it but i also was entertained by it so it, I, it made I me did. wish we'd done it earlier knowing now what i know about your history of watching the show I'm like, oh, I should have done that episode way earlier. I would have helped him out. But we did. I did have Sean watch uh, Classic Who as well. Like, I didn't leave Classic Who out, but I gave him uh, instructions on how to watch it, and he decided to watch it in chronological order, which was interesting. Uh, but he did. Uh, I told him maybe start with the 2005 series, get to like it, and then go back and watch the classic stuff. But Oh, well, it worked out. He really likes it. Now he's hooked. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of, of, of how much Colin Baker episodes I've endured, I'm still kind of on the Doctor Who train. I'm hooked. I, I, I took a photo with Jenna Coleman, for God's sake. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on board the train. So, nice. so no, no worries. Well, we'll have to do a follow-up where we talk about the audio plays because I heard Justin mention he listens to them as well. So <laughs> I'd, I'd like to do that because that's something I've, I've never done. And that's something I definitely need you guys to take me by the hand and like you know, <laughs> walk me across the street with because I'm total noob. I, I, I know nothing. I, I see nothing. I'm like the freaking monkeys and shit. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. I know I know Jack about the, the audio stuff. So I, I definitely need somebody to... Uh, you know, blindfold me and point me in the right direction of the pinata or whatever for those. Uh, I'll go with you, but I won't touch you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no hugging, no hugging, Justin. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, if if anybody wants to listen to more of our Fanholes podcasts, of course, you've been listening to the Fanholes podcast proper. You can check us out at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We are, of course, on all the cool social medias. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. We are on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. And, of course, we've got tons of the backlogs of our proper show and all the other shows that we do at Fanholes podcast.blogspot.com if you have any emails if you're a Gallifreyan Time Lord or you've uh, recently regenerated into a new gender and you want to send us an email you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com and until the next time this is going to be Derek Derek WC I've got a photo of Susan Foreman on my desk because she's my granddaughter signing off Woo-hoo! some people know me as Justin but you will call me master. I don't know how to follow up with that. <laughs> uh, this is Zach from Board with Friends. And um, yeah, I, if you ever want to hit me up and talk about Doctor Who, uh, we recently reviewed the Doctor Who board game as well. Uh, you can check that out. <laughs>
was right you guys are way better at doing outros than him <laughs> don't tell him i said that <laughs> now i'm like conflicted should i leave that in or should i cut that out <laughs> there's your stinger at the end. yeah that's that's a stinger no i i re-listened to uh when we reviewed uh transformers 5 and he said at the end he's like i don't know how to do this stuff uh the, the other guys are way better at this than me <laughs> and i just started laughing because I like listening to things that were recorded a while ago because I'm like, I don't remember saying any of this stuff. 